I actually talked to Dragus after that. And I was like, Dragus, I'm just saying that that's a line that when crossed, it, it, it transcends fighting. My blood was boiling. But you know, you know when you said, this hit home for me. Here's the thing about like that severe trauma. You can joke about it. I could laugh about it. And it's funny, but the moment like you acknowledge it. But if I had a gun on me, bro, I mean, there's a chance that, yeah, there, there's, there's a chance, bro. Is there ever like a point uh, that you've seen actually behind the scenes where you have the, the higher ups guys like Dana and, and Hunter and whoever it might be look at a situation like what went down with, with Strickland and Duplessis and say what the fuck are we doing here we need to put in parameters to make sure this doesn't happen or do they generally just go do you know what this is just exposure for us people can take this down one way or another and we'll let them decide I honestly don't know I don't sail that close to the sun um, I, I don't sp I wave at Dana and Hunter <laughs> might get a handshake every now and then yeah. so I, I don't know I, I do speak to my producers and I I don't think they even know truth be told those guys making the big decisions have such macro perspective on things that I don't know if they get down into that kind of detail because there'll be something else the next day that that but takes I, I their do, attention. But that's the thing. I wonder how, like, those sponsors on the table, you know, you've got Duplessis, you say, oh, I'm going to beat you worse than your dad beat you. And you've got whatever the, the the sponsorship bottle is on the table. Is it not, like, a scary moment for everyone involved in that to go, right, we're going to lose that sponsor, we're going to lose this sponsor? Or do you just kind of put up your hands again and say, the sponsors know what they're getting with the UFC? Are we at that point where even the sponsors of the sport still kind of take it as what it is, which is not as this kind of sport that we hope might, we might see in the Olympics at some point, or it's just, it is what it is. It's guys fighting in a cage and they're going to say these things because they're cage fighters. This is this is kind of what I wanted to bring up because the example I was going to use was John Jones back in the day and obviously did something the sponsors didn't like, lost the Nike sponsorship. So when you're talking about a guy like Sean Strickland, he's not interested in sponsors and making millions of dollars. He doesn't care, therefore he will say whatever he wants. On the other hand, Sean O'Malley manages his own career very, very, you know, in, in touch with the economic side of being a fighter. And he's very careful about what he puts out there. He has his own brand, you know, he smokes a lot of weed and that works for him. But he's not doing things to dissuade, you know, other potential sponsors. Whereas Sean Strickland really doesn't seem to care about any of that. And the whole idea of being a professional athlete doesn't seem to matter to him in that way. So I think that's also why you get that kind of an attitude from him because he's not conforming to what you know the sponsors want i, I will say that I, I caught an interview with dana and theo von and this is my interpretation of what dana said this is by no means a direct quote but i think theo was talking about sponsorships and they wanted him to say something or whatever it might Peloton be bike, yeah. oh yeah i didn't agree with a tweet that um oh theo is that what it was yeah. okay i could I, i'm not sure i even caught that and dana kind of just said it's just get to a point where you don't care about the sponsors because he says I'm I'll I'll be kind of damned if anyone's going to tell me what I can and can't do and I've said no to sponsors in the past because this is what we do and he believes in it but Dana's obviously not the only one in that organization I'm sure they all have lots of thoughts but yeah it's, it is interesting I think it's naive because it's a business right it's a big business and and stuff so and yes we're shin kicking people in the face but at the same time there's there's stuff that we don't like to hear but where do you stop like we're, with censorships of, yeah. if you start, like what, how do you say what's on the table and what's yeah. not? I think that's the thing that's been actually really confusing uh, from a fan's perspective. It's been odd 
as a fan to kind of be funneled through that road of like this is what it used to be and this is where we're taking it and now here we are in 2024 with things that probably weren't even said back then as well and it's this massive effort you know with all the the, the rules and regulations and the people that have been sport the sport's in a different place there now isn't it yeah maybe but, so, but that's what i'm saying it's yeah. kind of that odd kind of feeling of we're pushing it towards this sport but here we are and in my opinion with probably one of the most outspoken kind of almost like dividing champion we've yeah. had for years yeah for years. It's, it's not a house of cards any longer no yeah Whereas I felt on the way up a few years ago, a few things going the wrong way and like you've got some pretty significant forces like medical bodies and political groups that really don't like our sport and they could really hurt how we get to see and experience these events. But I think we're over that now, which then allows other things to then flourish would be the wrong uh, way but i'm sure it does flourish but in this situation yeah there's there's then a soapbox for probably some sentiments that i don't particularly agree with i feel like we were all on board at one point with trying to just get things a bit more in line with being a sport you know because like anytime there was a brawl you know all the commentators everyone would have to say and, and wanted to say like this is not what the sport is about like you remember when tony ferguson was in the ultimate fighter and he's having an argument with that guy and he's like where's your kid at and asking like where this guy's son is and at the time that was like whoa dude like you can't call, talk about another man's children like that and everyone's freaking out and tony doubles down on it and now we've got something that's way more offensive than that and it's you know being said by you know people at the championship level back then it was like oh we can't have that we need to sort of funnel this towards a sport that more people will accept and you can even track that through the ultimate fighter in the early seasons people get drunk and smashing shit and now it's really boring because everyone's a professional athlete and they don't they don't want to do anything crazy to compromise themselves. yeah so i'm sure strickland duplessis would have sold really really well without that brawl that they had but it probably has made that whole rivalry in that fight that much I more mean, interesting it has well. i mean that's what happened with, with leon and, and colby like Colby said what he said, and then Dana says the pay-per-view's gone up by 25% overnight. It's like, so if you are Dana, you, you see something go up overnight, and it's just like, right, well, I think Dana, it's making me money. He just plays the, the cards that are dealt. Like you say, this is my champion. This is what they've got. How can I market this person effectively? Yeah. I, I don't, he, even if he wanted to, he couldn't control the entire narrative. And I think as a man who's a bit of a gambling man, that's probably what keeps it exciting for him is that he doesn't really know what's going to happen. And, you know, looking back on on the history of, of MMA, it's just it's interesting that here we are in 2024. And we I felt like, we, you know, we went through that. Was it the historic like seven where you had, you know, you had Kane, you had John Jones, you had Anderson Silva, Silva, you had George St. Pierre. You know, everyone's wearing suits. You know, everyone's looking great. We do the whole kind of UFC fox segment where you know everyone's very prim and proper mm. and look great and it's just interesting that it's we've had this moment here at the start of 2024 where a lot of this fight has been sold on on stuff that i felt maybe you couldn't even get away with like a few years ago there's a lot of market forces here yeah i mean i don't know if i'm i might seem naive or whether i'm just like a ufc cheerleader but i'm very we were actually just talking uh, earlier about being buried in mma you know, but if we pull back, all of this stuff's happening around us. People are getting more outlandish. There's like political challenges are like from when I was younger, they are way more kind of right and left. It never used to be quite so extreme when I, when I was a teenager. 
So as a result of that, I think that that's just going to start filtering down through to everyone that we see behind a microphone, on a stage, on a sporting field, etc. So I think there's that. The UFC has always, like, there's been no media training. They don't do that. They don't do it for guys in my position, um, and they don't do it for the fighters. There's just too many. It would be too expensive for them to do that. There's probably something in a contract saying don't hold the sport in disrepute or something like that, but... Let's be honest, Dana essentially just lets the guys be themselves. And we have grown up in a digital space with individuals being individuals. And as fans, we appreciate authenticity. When people try to be something that they're not, we see through it very, very quickly. And that has happened. And so we've had this effect where people start realizing, oh, well, if I try and be Connor, then it's, it's going to come off as, as false and tacky. So they're maybe not doing that. Oh, I'm going to be myself. And at the very same time you're talking about Sean Strickland, we've got a Leon Edwards. Uh, it might seem very easy as three Brits sit around the table talking about that, but Leon has never tried to be anything else than my results will do the talking and I will get to where I need to go via that route and that route alone. And George St. Pierre was has just always been that guy. He's always been the martial artist that is very respectful, apart from he didn't respect a performance. Um, one time, right? One time. Yeah. And then, so, but there's room for everyone. And I think that's the beauty of our sport that we have so many different characters. I think there's probably a follow-up question is, do we like it? Like, it, like how do we feel about some of the topics that were touched on? Um, personally, don't like it. Didn't like the stuff that Colby was saying. Didn't like, uh, haven't liked some of the things that Sean said. Um, but I've also sat up and had a, a good think about some of the things that Sean has said. And I appreciate the cultural differences. But the market will dictate and it and it will. And what I mean by that is it will just rub itself out, supply and demand. And they're supplying the sound bites and the vernacular. If we don't like that, it's just not it's just going to be sounded off. You know, you're going to see it getting shouted down. And unless you're a complete sociopath, then you're going to listen to it and go, all right. Maybe I need to reassess what I'm saying at this particular time. If you pull back outside the UFC, there are people talking about censorship, what can be said online, yeah. and like all of the stuff, all of the negative. As a parent, I start looking at my daughter, like, oh God, when she starts engaging in social media, like that's that puts the fear of God in me right now. Um, and I'm sure that has been for parents for a long time, but it just seems really horrible out there right now and i'm sure we've all seen it like directly i know i have um and people feel like they just can and they want to be more and more controversial because then they stick their head above the parapet and look at me and get noticed so it's i think it is i mean as i say i know that we're having a bit of a deep dive into it but i think it could be just yeah. as simple as that and it's you know these are contractors as well it's yeah it's a it's a challenge um I mean, I'd love a little Chael Sonnen, like really like <laughs> yeah. feeding a carrot to a bus. Offensive as that. That is offensive. But it's, there's a lot of things that he said that were clever. You know, some of the ways that he would talk about his upbringing, you know, and how hard it was for him when they only had a cleaner once a week. And these things were just hysterical, just so smart. Um, but you can't force what's not there. So you work with what you have. And yeah, again, don't think it was designed for Strickland and Duplessis to scrap one another. It put the main event in a compromising position. Um, but now it has added to it. And you'd be a fool to ignore it because it is part of the story. Uh, so you'd, 
you know, you can't censor those bits either. Behind the scenes as well, when you're, you're, you're getting your research together, your information together, how much does that play a part in, say, the research that you do as well? How much that kind of stuff actually impacts the narrative of the fight and actually even the fight itself? If these guys and the, the mentality behind going into a cage and fighting each other as well, how is that going to dictate the way that they they fight? Is it going to be a lot of anger it there? Well, exactly that. So yeah. I would be thinking if I was doing the walkout for, for Sean Strickland in particular, because I am asking these questions, it would be, right, how have we seen him in fight weeks previously? Have we ever seen him emotionally charged? When was the last time and what was it? I've never really, I've always seen him be the one, leave a press conference or something like that with a smirk on his face. So now this is different. And now he's the champion as well. And there's a little bit of pressure there. And Duplessis was the one who had a smirk on his face. And we've since seen that there have been interviews where he shed a tear. And he's spoken about people that, cry. like all of these things of challenging him. How does that challenge him as an athlete? Like when he's, when he's now faced with this guy, how does he keep the inner beast does he? Does he use it? I mean, these are the, the things that I would ask uh, the, the colour analysts in, for them to elaborate. But I would definitely talk in broad terms about how the script was flipped in a very, like, loosely, um, whereas he's now the guy that's been agitated and he's been the agitator. So how do you react in that situation? I'll definitely talk about that. Definitely the, the script flipped with, with everything he did to Adesanya to get under his skin in his home country and everything he brought up. And then all of a sudden now he's the guy under pressure. He's the guy who's getting shots taken at him. And now he's the guy with the belt as well. So it's a complete, yeah, I think that's, uh, there's a really interesting narrative. I think that plays into the fight, not just the rivalry, but we're seeing Sean Strickland getting some of his own medicine and then how, how that affects everything really how fans react to that some people are siding with him some people and by the way i was uh i, I was in the sauna uh it was after a workout i should <laughs> i should add so a guy that's like trains he's looking to have aspirations as an mma fighter i didn't dig into his story but he was very um thankful to sean for opening up about being abused when he was younger and Again, like I didn't feel like it was the appropriate time to kind of uh, put on my like journalistic hat and yeah. ask him why he felt like that. But he also was not like he's a guy from Afghanistan. He's actually very well spoken as well. So all of these things, I wouldn't have thought that Sean Strickland character would have resonated with him particularly. Um, I was like, oh, that is really interesting. And that he's now a fan because of the fallout of all of this. So as much as we're saying, probably on a macro sense, yeah, it's distasteful, a lot of this stuff. There, There's actually been a few people out there that are now championing Sean for like what has led to him opening up in these situations. Do you think other people would, would kind of see what Sean's doing and go, okay, the moment that he started being more vocal and realising that his divisive words were getting him over that people could look at what Sean's doing and go, do you know what? Like, I'm going to start trying some of that as well. I I'm going to be so. a little bit more Moicano, I mean, discuss. Like, they're not getting any <laughs> PR training, are they? So they better no. start studying what's somebody. Mo what's Moicano done? Money Moicano. What's oh, he done recently? Oh, I just think, well, he's got his own, he's like, he's just funny, man. He's got oh, a Twitch right, channel yeah. as well. Yeah. Like he's now just started to be him. And that must have been really difficult for us to connect with someone like, speaking Portuguese, you know, a Brazilian guy. But yeah, I think he's really funny. And now I'm I'm more interested to interact with him and 
see what he's got to say. I mean, it'd be interesting your thoughts about kind of the way that the UFC uh, market their fights, market their fighters, because we talk a lot about how we think that the UFC, are, you know, more or less promote themselves. We are the star here. We don't necessarily want to be in a situation where we have like a Conor McGregor that can dictate what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. We'd rather be in a situation where we have names and and to a certain level, but nothing that is actually going to overshadow the three letters. The UFC are facilitating, aren't they? They're the, they're the platform. Yeah. So those people wouldn't, like, you're not going to see or hear them without the existence of the UFC. So there's a symbiotic relationship yeah. with all of that. We've got to work hand in hand, right? And hopefully behind the scenes, everyone's happy. You know, they all get something from it. And, uh, you know, hopefully Sean gets, you know, a couple AK-47s thrown his way and a couple <laughs> new motorbikes and, yeah. you know, a new like rugged boot sponsor, whatever it might be. You know, it kind of works like that, I guess. But I mean, from from a behind the scenes angle as well, like, you know, I don't know how much experience you have with it, but is there a, within the PR team and, and the UFC PR team and, the, and people within the advertising and the marketing departments and all that kind of stuff, do they look forward to the Sean Stricklands? Do they look forward to finally, here is a guy that's turned up and he's making people care about him and it's making our job so much easier. Do you see but, that or is it well, just like letting things be what they are i think well i think um i don't know because i don't all i really talk to are the producers and because the ufc headquarters is in las vegas i don't even get to go there i go to the apex one thing i would say though i do have a few guys that i know in the social team and it certainly if they're if you're make you're making their job easier if you're creating a lot of buzz and they can they can share certain things obviously they got to choose what they're going to share etc yeah, I think it. I think it does make things easier. Yeah, I mean, like it's what John was saying earlier. Ultimately, it's about authenticity. Like, yeah, you can't fake Sean Strickland. And if you're a PR company or you're on the PR team, you can't create a backstory for a guy that's grown up in the situation he did, trained his entire life, and is now a professional fighter. You just got to take what you've got, and you've got like a really unique, authentic person that you can push and promote. The next champion might be really boring. But what can what can you do? Like that is the champion. So it's, it's again with that fine line between sports and entertainment, and we can curate certain matchups, you know, because we like the idea of this being a champion because they're they're making people care about them, you know. So and I think if you are doing that, you should be promoted, you know, because you're clearly worth it. So I think it's always that 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 divisive line. But but either either side of it, I think the UFC just take what they've got and run with it. And and the fact there hasn't been someone like Brock, Ronda, Connor, there's not really much they can do about it. There's always the narrative of they should promote fighters more. But it's like, well, how? For some people, yeah. how yeah. do you do it? Like yeah. you know, like like someone like uh, Nina's really good at finding interesting things about fighters and then turning that into content, and it does really well. But you can't do that with everybody. Like it's impossible. I think yeah. like Ankalaev. Mm. Yeah, how do you One market? Of, he's fantastic mm. like i can't i think he's gonna wear the belt at some point like i think he's just terrifying but it's hard like culturally very very difficult but it might be easy to market like back home in russia yeah like he might be a huge star. i'm sure he is a huge star. Yeah. i hope he's a huge star yeah. there but we are we sometimes we have this view of where we are in the world or in north america but like taporia for example he's got twice the following on instagram for wh- whatever that means than what the champ does, the pound for pound. 
Do you know what I mean? So it's they might be easier to market. They're doing their own thing. But yeah, for the UFC, they, they take what they've got. They run with it. But what counts? Results in the fights. Yeah, and that's exactly. what the UFC put on. If you enjoyed this, we do have a longer uncut version on our members page. So you can join us for as little as two ninety nine. You can see Mr. John Gooden in all his uncut glory. Which sounds a bit weird. <laughs> Don't, only if you say <laughs> that. Jesus. Uncut glory. Well, there you go. Yeah. So if you want to see uncut uh, John Gooden glory, uh, join <laughs> us on the. It's a uh, sentence I never thought I'd hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly.